1965. Doctor Who is a proven TV hit, and so are his most frequently recurring enemies, the Daleks. But British TV is still a world of black and white, the Daleks are still selling in toy stores, and Doctor Who is still filming for at least 40 weeks out of the year. How do you bring the thrill of the Doctor's battles with the Daleks to the big screen in color? I'm Ryan Myers, and this is your Sci-Fi 5, 5 minutes of science fiction history for June 25th. The answer to that question premiered on this day in 1965, Milton Sabotsky's production of Doctor Who and the Daleks. The first appearance of Doctor Who on the big screen starred Peter Cushing rather than William Hartnell, not only because Hartnell wouldn't have had the time or energy to devote to a major feature film, but because Cushing, with his hammer horror background, was considered a more bankable big screen star. But let's not kid ourselves. The real stars of this movie were the Daleks, seen in full color for the first time, restaging a drastically condensed version of their first television adventure, which had lasted seven 25-minute episodes in its original TV form. The movie would clock in at under an hour and a half, so some sections of the original story were omitted, while others sped up to a breakneck pace. Surely, to gear up for the task of bringing these beloved bad guys to the silver screen, everyone had brushed up on their original outings on TV, right? Well, not quite. Find out about the fallout from that after this. Happy birthday to one of the original space moms, June Lockhart, who played Maureen Robinson on Lost in Space, born today in 1925. In real life, Lockhart is the mother of original Battlestar Galactica star, Anne Lockhart. The must-see British sci-fi film of the summer of 65, Doctor Who and the Daleks differs from the television show in quite a few ways. For one thing, the Doctor is just a human inventor in the classic British boffin mold, tinkering away in a shed behind his home and inventing a time machine that's bigger inside than out. The thing is, the television show had yet to nail down anything even remotely resembling an origin story for the Doctor, and it would be another four years before the words Time Lord were ever uttered in the TV series, so that's really not that big a deal. The biggest deviation from what had been established on screen was how the movie treated the Daleks' speech patterns. Since the beginning, the lights mounted on the Daleks' heads blinked on and off in time with the intensity of their voices. When the larger, more colorful movie Daleks were made, the movie's director, Gordon Fleming, insisted upon those lights being wired like car blinkers, on and off in a very predictable, metronomic pattern which meant that the voice actors providing the voices of the Daleks had to speak in a more robotic rhythm just to match those lights. Whoops. Also curious were the lava lamps built into the sets. Hey, Daleks have to chill out too, you know. And various buttons and toggle switches on Dalek control panels, which were much better suited to human hands than to the Daleks' large mechanical claws, which substituted for the plunger arms of the TV Daleks. These buttons and switches probably made it more affordable to build the prop control panels, but think it through, guys. The Daleks' biggest threat wasn't the movie's TARDIS crew, however. It was the British premiere of Mary Poppins, which handily defeated the Daleks at the box office. Mary Poppins had the marketing budget of Disney behind it, while Doctor Who and the Daleks had gone significantly over budget during production. 
Fortunately, the Doctor Who TV series had already figured out how to do the next Dalek story cheaper, have the Daleks invade more or less present-day Earth. So for the sequel, Milton Sabotsky adapted, you guessed it, the Daleks' second TV appearance to the big screen. And they looked and sounded a lot more like themselves. But that's another exciting story for another exterminating time. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5, for June 25th. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.